0: When I was 16 years old, I saw on NBC Sports, you know, oh, here's the, we're going to televise the uh, 1980 Ironman. I see these guys out there duking it out in, uh, in Kona and you're like, you know, it would be so cool to do one, do one of those, just do an Ironman one day. My dad told me only crazy people do that kind of stuff. It's insane. that Those people are insane.
1: Hey everyone, and welcome to the Adventure Deficit Show, where we're always on the lookout for new stories and the life lessons they might hold. Join me, your host, Drew DeVries, as we embark on today's journey to combat the deficit. To an Adventure Deficit community. Today we've got AD Rosa with us. AD comes from Brazil. He's got a really unique story. Um, he's been here in West Michigan since the 80s and has been uh, calling West Michigan home since then. Primarily going to talk to us today about um, his love for triathlon. AD is, uh, is an eight time Ironman finisher, one of those being in Kona. He has over 400 triathlon finishes under his belt um he owns a company called Gravitus, which makes uh custom fit orthotics for a variety of different disciplines um and he just loves helping people get back on their feet um he's also an avid archer and uh has several um patents on uh on products that uh, go hand in hand with the archery industry um and he's going to tell us a little bit about uh, all of that ad how are you doing today
0: hey drew um Nice to have a sunny day here in Michigan, for sure. Yeah. site. So thanks for having me.
1: We, uh, Yeah, we're, we're really excited to hear your story. Um, I can't wait to get into some of the early childhood stuff. Um, Brazil sounds like, man, the last uh, of its type as far as um, some of the uh, – some of the unique characteristics that make up the topography um tell us a little bit about what it was like to grow up in brazil and uh just shine a little bit of light on the
0: early a.d story for us well brazil is a beautiful country i mean you're talking about anything from you know um unspoiled uh beaches along the ocean uh all the way into the rainforest and areas where very few humans have even entered and um i feel very um i um, honored to uh, spend um, almost 18 years of my life uh, growing up in Brazil, um, and a very vivid um, childhood. Um, my family used to camp along the uh, the basin of the Amazon there, uh, on one of the rivers that um, uh, dumps into the Amazon. And for a whole month of July, we, uh, we camped in the wild, and uh, not too many people can say, hey, I... I shot fish with the bow and arrow with the, with the local Indians. I, um, and I caught enormous fish, um, up to 300 pound catfish, uh, you know, in the rivers of Brazil. Uh, it's, it's a very unique uh, for a city kid, uh, living in the city of 2 million people. Um, that month of July meant everything to me, just getting away from, um, the everyday life. And my, my folks were, very busy professionals. My mom was, uh, uh, at the time, a high school teacher, and uh, my dad was um, a dentist. Uh, So I can just imagine uh, getting the whole family away from town, camping, fishing, hunting for a month. Uh, And it was talking about the entire family, uh, 25 to 30 of us, uh, grandparents, uncles, cousins. You mentioned two million people. What city were you uh, were you born in? Uh, Goiânia is uh, the city where I was born. It's the capital of the state of Goias, which uh, is also the same state where the capital Brazil is located. I'm only like a hour and a half, hour forty five from the capital Brazil, Brasilia. It's a very large town, primarily uh, interesting town because it's mostly farming and textiles. But um, believe it or not, it's a Nashville. Country music, city <laughs> of Brazil. I mean, all the country stars in South America oh, usually really? go there to uh, uh, learn their ropes and uh, move up in the ranks of uh, of the music talent. So uh, it's a very unique city. Uh, a lot of fun, um, a lot of fun things to do around there because they have anywhere from streams, lakes, uh, mountains, uh, hiking, mountain biking. Very active community, but um, the where we camped near the Amazon jungle. It was a good 10 hours away. So it was quite a hike to get there. Oh, wow. So, you know, uh, it's a good car- we'd, we'd caravan, three or four cars, you know, with everything we needed for for a month. And so that was a, a very large part of my uh, my upbringing. How many years did that go on? For 18 years. I was one year old by the time when my parents took me to the river the first time.
1: That's fantastic. So who's, uh, whose idea was this?
0: My grand- my grandfather from my mother's side um, had this tradition um, going on long before I was born with his, his, his brothers. Uh, my grandfather being um, a very busy businessman with, uh, with six grocery stores, uh, several farms. Like I mentioned before, um, anything from grain to beef cattle. Um, that was his decompression to get away from the city, get away from everything, and just taking the whole family with him, uh, fishing, hunting for a whole month. And um, an interesting story is that um, I think I was about probably around uh, seven or eight years old. Uh, we used to trade, uh, it doesn't seem very uh, a very good trade, but uh, we used to trade alcohol, sugar, flour with the local Indians that had their reservations, uh, the native uh, um, Amazon Indians, uh, for in exchange for guiding us to the best fishing spots, best hunting spots. And uh, somewhere along the way, in near one of the tribes, um, my parents, my grandparents used to buy artifacts from, from those local Indians. And one of them was a small long bowl for a child with uh, several different tips. Uh, one of them had a fishing tip and I couldn't hit anything. You know, watching those those young um, natives shoot their bow and they were just second nature, even the two years old. And I tried really hard. And I, you know, I would get occasional frog fish, uh, nothing major but archery was um, introduced to me very early on and I was fascinated. I could shoot that ball all summer long and that was all I did. I cannot wait
1: to hear more about uh, how life progressed for you. AD, what uh, What did high school look
0: like? Very early on, I was interested in, in the science um, um, side of the educational process, uh, medical science, and, and so I think that the fear of either working on the farm the rest of my life Running a grocery store for the family or following my father's footsteps as a surgeon or as, as a physician, I think it scared me a little bit, so I came up with the idea, hey, I think I want to become an exchange student. I want to get away from here.
1: Okay, mm-hmm. so for your senior year, you actually Was, jumped on a plane right? yeah. and uh, lived with, with a host family, I'm yeah. assuming, right?
0: Three host families, yeah, in, okay. uh, in the Grand Haven uh, area, Grand Haven, Spring Lake, Ferrisburg
1: how did that adjustment go, going from a, a more of a preparatory background where it sounds like Brazil's got got everything pretty well dialed for prepping it's, students? It's strict the, and it's
0: very structured. Yeah. Uh, Talk
1: about that a little the bit. The educational
0: system in Brazil is pretty much, I mean, we go to school a lot. I mean, sometimes six days a week, it's um, long days. Coming from the structure I was used to, uh, you know, school, swim, um do sports and then it was was so wrapped up around the uh, the academics and then I come over here it's the sports there wasn't a huge priority in Brazil. The academics were. Coming to America was like, oh, they paid a lot of attention to sports. A lot. And it's part of everything, including archery, swimming, running, I mean all the stuff that I liked. So for me it was an adjustment. I spoke um, basic English when I first came to America when you study in Brazil, you learn, you know, we always learn one one extra language, sometimes two. I took basic Spanish and, um, and English. But when you come over here, wait, where's the bathroom? I'm hungry. I'm thirsty. You know, my name is. Nice to meet you. I mean, it's very basic uh, communication skills. So the first six months were tough mm-hmm. um, to adapt to the language. The culture wasn't a huge um Change because the Brazilian culture is very close to our culture. It's very Americanized. Pizza Hut, McDonald's, Burger King. I mean, they're everywhere. So we're very much in tune with the American culture. In America, everything is open. I mean, there was no gates, no fences. You just come in, and uh, and had a lot of fun, especially Grand Haven. And gosh, on on the shores of Lake Michigan, and um, and made um, a lot of long, lifelong friends. You know, in high school, and uh, but it was a um, uh, an experience, learning the language, um, being part of uh, you know the the swim club and, and the track club and the archery club. Cool. So I mean, those things are really um, enticing to me. Yeah. And um, and then I just couldn't get enough of it. And you ended up choosing Grand Valley State, right? Grand Valley State, yes. Grand okay. Valley State University. So you enrolled in their biomechanics mm-hmm. and kinesiology program. It, it was the, the sports science program. Okay. Uh, I mean, it was more like the um, the. Uh, the applied science um, type programs where you, you have your, your couple of years worth of just prerequisites and then move into like the sports medicine program mm-hmm. they have to um, um, apply for and, and get into and then it's another three years. So all in all five years in the, uh, of school and I pretty much went right to the, um, to the ergonomic, biomechanics, uh, sports performance. I had no idea what I was going to do with, with that degree. Is just that I, re- I was really interested in um, in the sports science um, world and and being very heavily involved in uh, in in, um, in sports um, for me it just was a natural transition, mm. um, but um, through college um, I was just working part time at a at a factory unloading trucks you know and. Um, it was an instance there where I got hurt. Um, I was unloading this big A-frame with thousands of pounds of glass and pulling uh, off the back of the truck onto a ramp. And the other guy trying to slow down the A-frame on the wheels at the top, lost a little bit of this, his control. The thing was spinning around. I'm trying to stop it. And that thing pinched me up against the wall, up against a, a storage rack. And, you know, you, just, you, you feel something funny. You know, you get your lower back, slammed up against... Um, uh, a metal rack, and you like, God, something's not right. You know, started to get sick of your stomach, started not not feel right. So yeah, uh, a few days later, with the, after I the, got the X-rays and the bone scan, I had fractured my lower back in two se- uh, segments. And and at the time, you know, I was doing just you know martial arts. I was doing um, um just running to get in shape, and uh, I was competing pretty heavily in uh in kickboxing tournaments and. And my doctor said, uh, with your back injury right now, you're going to be on this brace, and you can't do this, you can't do that. And contact sports is out of question for at least a year. And I'm like, I'm going out of my mind. What am I going to do? You know, I, That's my outlet. They said that was not going to be an option because I was one kick away from being paralyzed because things could shift. Bone fragments could go into my spinal cord, and I could be pretty much paralyzed. It, it was not easy, Drew, uh, because with the back injury, you know, you're very stiff at the torso. We can't do a whole lot. It's very hard to move and my doctor would choose some a little easier you know uh, maybe non non contact sport like pick up running or biking or something and obviously you know uh when i had this triathlon that happened just uh, um near where i lived i took an interest and in, uh it was coming up in a few months okay. i just signed up for the triathlon and just started kind of training for i didn't know So i borrowed a bike and did it yeah. and um you know, you go out there and you're hurting, your back's hurting, you're uncomfortable, and you're like, I can't do this, I can't do this, I need to do this. It finish is the only option. So I got my way through the finish line and uh, limping a little bit, but I had tears in my eyes because I was so emotional. I'm like, gosh, this is all the things in my life, this is amazing that all these people are just, you know, congratulating me, nice race, end up finishing. If I recall, it was like 10th or 11th, and it was your first race, so you're like, you just everything is just so new. Hold on,
1: I get the uh, I get the sense that when you grab hold of something, mm-hmm. um, you go full bore. For example,
0: mm-hmm.
1: Grand Valley offers an elective
0: mm-hmm.
1: to participate in kickboxing. Yeah. You, you find yourself engaged in kickboxing tournaments mm-hmm. after the class finishes, right? And you earn a second degree black belt.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I usually in my in my history when bowling class was done, I didn't I didn't join the professional bowling association right. and enroll three hundreds regularly I quit.
0: I think it was back to my childhood where I um, I Was very active and I needed to be involved with something at all times and for me is um, Not entirely a perfectionist, but a very driven person to succeed mm. um, I had a lot of successful Businessmen, um, professionals in my in my life growing up, that uh, I was, I think success is the only way that you're viewed as um, an important part of the society and how to fit in. Mm. So you have to be successful. Um, dealing with athletes all these years as a coach, as a mentor, um, you find that that's a trend. You know, they are not satisfied with a five k. Now I need a ten k. I need a half marathon. I need a full marathon. Why not an Ironman? It just keeps going, and I think that was part of um, the uh, psychological addiction that we all have to be more than that.
1: I agree. I totally agree.
0: I think triathlon became because of the training involved became more of a of escape from you know you away from home. You mm-hmm. Miss your family like crazy. Yeah, I have a, I have a beautiful, awesome family that's been. Um, you know, such a a gift to have in my life. Mm. That was my chance to go out there and get wet, get muddy on the trails. You know, on a bike and feel the wind. I mean, that, that was my death and escape. I wasn't necessarily planning on being an addiction like it became.
1: At that point, what did what did you um, st- start gathering together as far as gear, uh, as far as you know uh arranging your life so that you could dedicate more time toward this new sport that you were that you were enthralled with
0: jogging for fitness is one thing but when you train day in day out for a race um you have to go into better shoes and and you know as a college student you don't have a lot of money i mean all your all your money mostly go to food and uh and paying rent and and um in schooling um i told my parents i um, I want to do most of this on my own, even though there was some help coming from the family financially. I want to do most of my own. I want to really do this. Um, and so, you know, and then you go and go to the bike shop and say, I'm doing a triathlon. I, did, I just did a triathlon with a huge bike. And they laughed I mean, the size of my bike. And was I need something more fitted for me. And uh, and they said, yeah, we have a perfect bike for you. Uh, and it's going to be, you know, $375. I'm like, $375? I'm like, what what does leeway look like? You know, and then they told <laughs> me it took me a few months to get that bike, and honestly, um, I can even buy the front wheel for my bike now for three hundred seventy five. I mean, it just,
1: yeah. I mean,
0: changed. It, it changed. I mean, it's you know, and but again, I got that bike. I was so excited. Um, and then Do you remember what it was? It was a it was a, a Centurion Ironman Dave Scott. Um, Dave Scott was a multi Ironman. Uh, six-time Ironman Hawaii winner that uh, was sponsored by Century, and they had a signature um, uh, bike frame. This is all chromoly steel. I mean, the thing is like you know, super heavy, but but it, it has his name on it, has the Ironman name on it, so it had to be the right bike.
1: So, how many of those races did you uh, did you get under your belt before you set your sights for for an Ironman?
0: Uh, started racing in '85. wasn't until I got into. Um, uh, early 90s um, shortly after college because you cannot commit to an Ironman or go into school I mean it's just uh, it's impossible I mean it's just it, it, it takes a very special person to dedicate school and Ironman training It just your mind is just quite not there but um, you can still be fit in college but not for an Ironman uh, especially when you got to train you know close to, dedicate 30 hours a week plus is that what it takes Nowadays, to qualify, not to finish an Ironman, but to qualify for Kona, it's going to take at least twenty hours plus. Wow! I mean, you're talking about not just swim bike, run. You're talking about, you know, the massage, the the chiropractor treatment, the uh, the um, nutritional counseling, the coaching, uh, the strength training, the rehab. Your life is dedicated to that life, and that's all you do. Yeah. You sleep. Eat maybe work if, if you need to if you don't you train
1: i mean did you enjoy some some success in those five years from 85 to 90 when when you were doing those uh, oh, variety ab- absolutely.
0: races absolutely you know um once i got the right size bike uh, a better running shoe uh instead the uh, the kmart um reebok you know you start getting better at the race understanding and then it comes the addictive personality I want to be better at what I do. Maybe finishing third in my division its not good enough. I want to do second or first in my division. And then you move up your uh, – you start training with faster people. You start um, racing more. And then you go from doing three races a summer to doing 10 to 12, sometimes up to 18 races uh, a year. And and then you start going to um, coaches and, and, and boulder – Colorado or San Diego, California, you start doing the, uh, some of the, you know, camps one yeah. to two weeks long and you train with pros, training with coaches, uh, training with the best. My back would ache I had to be very careful about my bike fit and everything else I did, though, was primarily just my poor foot mechanics. You know, you grew up in the city wearing shoes, you uh, sit down a lot, you, um, uh, the running portion of your training is very, um, optional, we don't work hard enough with our bodies throughout the day to develop a good sense of what barefoot really means—the the intrinsic strength of your of your arches, your feet, of your calves, of your back—and um, and by the time by that time I did a couple of half distances and I was hurting like crazy. Um, things like stress fracture, plantar fascia pain, knee pain, uh, some lower back issues, hip, and you start winning a few races and you get a little bit of an attitude, you know. Um, People are expecting you to be at the race and finish at the top, so you race if you're hurting or not. Triathlon became this addiction. I, the road, the road to Kona, to qualify for Kona Hawaii, became this very dark side of my life where it became all I did. My friendships were geared towards who can help me get faster, get stronger. What connections do I need? Um, how do I... Um, surround myself with only very influential people that can help me be a better athlete to get to Kona. In the process um, of that whole um, going to Kona, trying to uh, we to call the uh, uh, road to Kona um, process of qualifying for Hawaii, it was very tough. I mean, you had to do longer, if not an Ironman race, it had to do a half Ironman uh, distance, and you had to finish right at the top top two top three very few spots going to uh to Hawaii um, I would come close a few times but not close enough to uh, grab a spot a couple of minutes in the race you know that's um four four and a half hours long and at the time I was married to a wonderful woman um, and but I didn't know I didn't know I think the sport became um, um, my addiction just like someone's an uh, alcoholic or or a drug addict, they will sacrifice everything for it. My wife at the time told me, you know, maybe you're just not good enough to qualify for Hawaii. This is in the midst of a very tough separation that we're going through. We were going head-to-head we're about the Ironman and just like, you know, um, eventually we going to have to choose our marriage or 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 the triathlon because it's tearing us apart. You know, I didn't have the maturity or or, uh, or division to see what I was doing to her, our marriage and ourselves and um and um it was very tough to see such a, a lovely person helping so much um to succeed in this country um now i become the person that stopped me from achieving my dream just put a fire under my belly i goes i'm going to search everything every corner of this world if i have to to find the answers why am i getting hurt so i went to camps uh triathlon camps, specific geared towards uh endurance uh ironman athletes uh, in both san diego and boulder and i met with a the group there that uh said hey um you, you just need a different kind of shoe you need some better uh running form training your gait needs to be modified slightly and you need some different orthotics because your orthotics the hard one that the podiatrist gave you it's too hard is not corrected in the right place it's um it's helping a little bit but not as much And when these guys um, uh, Opened my mind up to uh, the true side of biomechanics of running, but That high performance running not the joggers the high speed found out that I had One leg was a little shorter. I had one foot that rolled in and that was causing all kinds of problems up the chain And once that got that 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 was corrected uh, I was able to train longer harder and on um, uh, my last training camp in uh, um, uh, winter of 96, that was a very different part of me. I was very confident, a little cocky because I was able to run very hard against some of the, the very tough competitors, climb mountains on my bike and jump off and run like nothing and that's the year I ended up qualifying for Hawaii um, but it took me that journey and I just wanted to almost like tell my ex-wife my my ex-wife at the time my wife, you know, yes I do have what it takes. I I am that person. I am a a triathlete that um, can do the things I told you I was going to do you know, I figured God just wanted me to do this because that's the gift he gave me. That was my gift we substitute uh, our spirituality um, for a sport that um, sometimes can blindside us it's almost like a horse I'm uh, dragging a buggy with the blinders. they only see forward because that's all you know uh I get that tunnel vision The person wants to just uh, the the people guiding that horse wants to see it's a very tunnel vision and then and the end goal is just that race and then there's another race and there's another race and there's another race so when you do this your life becomes all about the sport and um so as I was you know I patched things up with my wife at the time. We went to Hawaii. She watched me, you know, um, do that race. Um, she could not enjoy my time there for 10 days because it was all about the race. And not being a triathlete herself, it was very hard for her being around people that all they do, they all they talk about is their poop, their food, their nutrition, their bike, their train, their qualifying races all their goals, and it's all they do. I brought my mom with me because I want my mom to be there with her, so they kind of stayed together. My mom thought it was an absolutely insane sport, and how dare my son, that can put himself through this, you know, and make me watch it. You know, how dare you make me watch you go through this. It's like a war zone. You cross the finish line, everyone goes to the medical tent, half people have passed out, IVs, and <laughs> she's crying, so it was a very intense... Um, But as I mentioned, that was just the the, the beginning of my addiction because I went on to do six more Ironmans and, uh, and the results were, um, not that great because I wanted to go harder, faster, harder, faster. It was, um, a very dark part of my life because it became all about the sport. And by early 2000s, I ended up getting divorced and, um, I couldn't bring her to the dark side of the triathlon life, mm-hmm. and uh, and there's a lot of depression every time you finish a race, like an Ironman, you go in deep depression to the point I went on medication. Really, you had this huge build-up throughout the year. You you go to this race, and then after that, you have nothing else. Just a crash that big to do, and then okay, now for the next six months, what am I going to do with my life? You, you set your, your goals, f- you know, harder, further for different things that you want to accomplish, and you. And you do all these things, but yet you still have the addictive personality to deal with. Yeah. It's a drug, it's like alcoholism, it's like anything else. You uh believe it or not, Drew it took counseling for me to back down from that mentality. Um and counseling you learn that until you deal with yourself and you complete with yourself, no matter what you do, Iron Man's could be rowing, could be um, archery, could be um, anything out there. It's not going to make you happy until you find a peace within yourself. Around um, 2007, I remarried uh, a very talented triathlete, um, and then she said, "You had your turn." I was my turn to coach me, and she went on that on that ride that I was years earlier. No way. And then she embarked herself into that dark side so deep that it cost, it cost me another marriage. You know, so here I am, number two, which I told myself I never want to be, uh, have a failed relationship. And now, now part on, on the second round. And um, we all, three of us, made peace with what happened and how, and believe it or not, I'm very, very close friends with my first wife. No kid. We travel together. We um we hang out. We um my fiance uh we do to get married here this, this summer. Congratulations. Uh, thank you, man. She's uh we both are away from the dark side. We've both been there, dealt with that, come yeah. from, from divorce, broken relationships, now I'm moving to uh the next stage of our lives, we've spend the rest of our lives in peace. And that's one thing I need to um I need to if anything out of this conversation that I can give you is um you need to find peace within yourself. It doesn't matter if you are religious or not, spiritual or not, if you do not bring that peace and find that common place inside yourself to say, you know what, you can only find peace once you've found found the darkness. God will break you before he makes you, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, you have to go in very, very dark places.
1: You dove a little bit into your faith story. And when I hear you talk about triathlon in a way where um, you turn everything else off and it all just becomes about triathlon. Mm-hmm. Um, it brings to mind a book written by a gentleman named Tim Keller. Tim Keller is uh, a Presbyterian minister in uh, in downtown Manhattan. He uh, he talks about our tendency to take things that are good and to make them God.
0: Right. I, I think I think for me the the life lesson is um, I did what I set out to do. I accomplished what I, I wanted to accomplish, and uh, and that I, I have to be to tell myself it was good enough. It was good enough to do what I did because now I can. Pass on that experience to others and say, hey, don't do the don'ts that I did. You know, I did a lot of don'ts in my life. And I thought I was passing on to that to my second wife. But in the eyes of of, of our social group, and our you know, everything was great. But behind the scenes, was a lot of turmoil. Mm. Only because uh, I'm not going to blame on triathlon because we had to see first for ourselves where, what the problem was. Yeah, it could have been anything. And work through it. It, it didn't matter how much counseling we had how much uh christian intervention that we had uh from our faith it didn't matter any of that because we still were who we were not ready to accept um how great life was all around us, how gifted we were it took me um, a very hard wake up call from life and say you're not happy you're not happy uh, started a very small company, uh, making one-third of the money I used to make. Uh, sold my 4,000 square foot home, bought a 1,000 square foot home, for again, for a quarter of the price of my house. And um, met this beautiful, intelligent woman, learning from her. For her, the racing, it's not about racing. The training is not about training. It's about living in peace with you, others. And she's very big into hiking, and she took me to do my first fourteener this past year. And you right. know what, Drew? Um, one thing I did—I got to the top of the mountain. It was nice enough out there. I took my shoes off and just put my bare foot on the ground. Yeah, that's when you really feel it. You feel pretty connected. Oh, the energy of the earth is humming like a bell, and it just <laughs> it just like just, singing to you. just sings under your feet. And you, once you decompress to that point, it all comes back into you, like. Why didn't I experience this 20 years ago? Maybe I wasn't ready. Hi, everyone. This
1: is your host, Drew DeVries. Hey, if you've been with us for a while, I just want to say thanks for tuning in again. If it's your first time listening, then I'd like to extend a warm welcome to the Adventure Deficit community. We're happy to have you with us. And it's our goal for you to glean a little bit of entertainment, education, and inspiration from today's story. Hey, after today's episode, please visit our website, www.adventuredeficit.com, where you'll find several ways to get involved. Today's episode will be featured on the main slider. Scroll down from there and click any previous episodes for access and show notes. In there, you can also subscribe to our direct links through iTunes, Google Play, and RSS feed. We're passionate about adventure deficit and we're committed to delivering even more adventure stories and life lessons in 2018. We're also expanding our reach with product reviews, videos and live events as well, but we can't do this without your financial support. You can help us out by subscribing, sharing or even buying a t-shirt which are available on the website for $20. If you're one of our listeners who might be interested in advertising with us, please go ahead and get in touch under the connect tab. Thanks again for listening and enjoy the rest of the show. All right. So walk us through um, some, some rapid fire answers to some, some questions that I've got Um, most common injury that you see um, amongst distance athletes.
0: Plantar fascia, plantar fasciitis, basically a weakened part of the foot, your muscles get really uh, weak from wearing shoes all the time or going barefoot enough. You're not able to spread your toes. Uh, anytime you demand your body a little bit more than just walking a little, standing a little, uh, that muscle gets, gets uh, uh, a strain and it never gets better. Um, so it's re-educating the foot to get stronger, your body to get stronger, spending more time barefoot on soft surfaces and uh, proper footwear. And my orthotics are primarily designed as a therapeutic intervention. I want to get the person better first by retraining their foot, by making very speci- specific points of contacts under their foot, and I eventually eliminate some of the, those uh, uh, corrections and bring it down to more of, of a um, a permanent maintenance-type uh, device, which um, addresses many other injuries. But plant infection i always in my top one. Um, and then you can go right down the road. I mean, there's like um, you know, um dozens of um foot issues related to posture, lifestyle, footwear.
1: Let's talk a little bit more about uh some of the things that you're currently working on and some mm-hmm. of the books that you're currently reading. Have right. you uh, have you finished any books recently that you'd like to uh
0: to make mention of? The last book I read wasn't that long ago, was the uh The Enigma of the Incas very advanced for their time. I mean you're talking about, you know, um um you know eight hundred AD. I mean that's uh, you know uh, goes back a couple thousand years and they had amazing um networks of roads uh, from mountains to the ocean back for trades into the jungle, um amazing um agriculture, several dozens and dozens hundreds of types of potatoes that they grew. Um pretty sophisticated. Very it's a beautiful culture. We have a lot to learn. You know, they never used to lock doors, or understand the concept of steel until the uh, Spanish conquistadors went there and started just raping, killing, and destroying everything. They 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 lived in a great relationship with the um, with nature. And uh, one of the most interesting things about the Incas was, uh, for reading that book was. They every time they took over a territory, they gave people the option: join us. I'll give you a tremendous amount of knowledge of agriculture, of of um, of different, you know, um, basic um, uh, means of math and, and science that they have at the time. If you join me and be part of my empire, you prosper. And if you don't, I'm gonna kill you. But they gave the option. <laughs> We're gonna make you really live really good, so there'll be no famine, there'll be no, no, um, no worries from from other uh, other tribes invading. you, I'll protect you. I'll become one. I'm gonna give you all this. If you don't, I'll kill you. So um, you die. So anyway, it was it was a very good book. I mean, that was uh, was just a while back. I'm fascinated by ancient culture, so something I, cool. I um that was my my last one. But I did a lot of. I re- I have to read a lot of journals. Yeah. and uh, and upkeep my continuing education sure. in the, the medical science. So it's mostly what I do. As far as uh,
1: as far as your upbringing from Brazil,
0: mm-hmm. um, favorite dish? What was it? Oh gosh, I have to tell you, uh, Brazilians have this most incredible barbecue. Yeah, they, they use nothing but rock salt, um, and uh, it's um, made over an open fire. They leave a little bit of the fat of the meat on it to slowly melt and drip over it. And uh, the Brazilian barbecue is w- world known for being absolutely incredible. I'm not a very good cook on of that type of dish because uh, my venison that I get usually is just no fat, no fat. It's just lean, but uh, it's by far the variety and the quality of uh, free range organic um, beef that they have. You spoke of some some bouts with uh, depressive mm-hmm. thoughts following.
1: Um, following the abrupt end to uh training Mm -hmm. talk a little bit about that and uh give us a little bit of insight
0: as to to what brought you out of those moments um combination of things there um you know we all have different issues like i'm not where i am with with my profession i'm not achieving these these goals financial whatever you're going to have and um you go through all these emotions, uh, all these emotions, uh, through training, through not being able to be financially successful, to not uh, to train for this Ironman and then you, you do that race. You build up six to eight months all about that one race at the end of the year, usually in the fall. You do the Ironman and then you, you, you go home. Try to find different things uh, to do: um, counseling, uh, meditation. Um, sometimes I walk into a. Um, that was this, this tiny little church from where I work, They're just down the road. I go there in the middle of the day and just sit there for lunchtime, for an hour, just there, just for the quiet, for things to stop moving around me. You know, we talked about religion um, earlier. You can ask God all you want for answers, but if you're not willing to listen or accept it, it's gonna go right down the tubes every single time. Have you ever noticed that anytime you, you, you really need something, you ask for it. Sometimes somehow it comes to you in the weirdest times? It's always in the weirdest time. We every time I went to Mars Hill, service there was always a message there, helped me help me with the something that I needed. I went there with with a, an issue, it's and then uncanny how timely they are. And then all of a sudden, like those messages, there's a the message. Right. All of a sudden, things are a little better. Right. And um, I think the messages are all around us from people, from life, from from nature, mm-hmm. but we keep our ears plugged and we don't want to hear anything because we want to hear we want that pill to fix everything right now and it's not that easy you have to really you have to become a student of your problem a master of your problem so after this conversation i don't know who's going to want to try and play their
1: hand in triathlon but <laughs> no i'm kidding um, triathlon is a great sport i think we've just identified the fact that um, we, we have a tendency to make uh, good things got. And uh, when we make good things our God thing, then it's uh, then it's a problem. But for those who want to try uh, this sport, where it where it's helpful and it's healthful and it's uh, fun, it, what it, do
0: you recommend they do in order to get there? First thing to do, you have to do, just don't do it on your own. As the first thing, I mean, you contact someone that um, is an entry level coach. First thing, there are um, coaches that specialize in nothing but um, entry level athletes. Search online. Get all of those people and get a very simple, doable program with your life schedule. Yep. Uh, people go, Oh, I have to train 15, 20 hours a week. No, you don't. You can do any triathlon, you know, up to a two hour race or whatever, um, with, you know, just a little bit of here and there, you know, a couple of days of running, a couple of days of swimming, a couple of days of biking. Um, some people have more time, but the thing is, just Don't expect anything on that first one, but get some coaching uh, because triathlon is not just swim, bike, run. There's many other components that never gets talked about. It is you have to think about all the way through. Your mind, you say, okay, what do I need to get through that swim? And then, do I need to eat anything before the race the night before, two days before, so I won't have a stomach upset stomach because the nervous excitement of getting in the water with five, six hundred. 1,000, 4,000 people, it's terrifying. Even as a good swimmer, when I have a mass start of an Ironman with, you know, 2,500 people, it's elbow to getting knees getting to getting everything, and, and that could really be a turnoff. But coach would tell you, let the crazes go. Get off to the side, stay in the back, walk in, take a deep breath, go your own pace, find the buoys, go around, and then what do I need to make that bike ride comfortable? Is it hot? Is it cold? I need more more fluids, need more nutrition and um and all this information is already available it's not like you really right. need to do anything right and then get through that bike as safe as you can with a safe uh, piece of equipment uh look by at, at a bike shop make sure your tires are not going to blow and not going to wipe out around the corners mm-hmm. and uh, make sure you have very safe tires helmet and uh and you hydrating no matter what the, the distance or the temperatures don't you, you must need that, those electrolytes and then um Take your time making that transition from the bike to the run. Just take your time. Get off that bike, and uh, if you need to, put some Vaseline on your feet so you won't get blisters, or, or pay attention to your needs. As long as you ask, what do I need right now to get over this first event, you usually come up with answers for your, your homework. Allow yourself at least six to eight weeks to, uh, of your body to adapt to the training. Mm-hmm. And uh, and the most important thing is completing that first triathlon and experiencing that the huge accomplishment they went into the training. So, having group swims, open water swims, having group bike rides, having group runs, join the local um, groups just to do once or two or three times a week in the group. You can learn so much from every group of triathlon of every corner of this country have different levels. Entry level, most people will be so willing. Just say, hey, looks like you're new at this, you know, um, your bike needs a little adjusting, you know, spin a little more, don't push the big gears. I noticed you didn't drink at all. Drink a little more. Mm-hmm. they see you walking, you see faces bright red, it as well. Oh, wear a hat. Dump some water on your on your head. Carry a uh, water pack with you. All those things are part of that learning experience. That if you're gonna do for triathlon. Sign off for triathlon four to five, six months I had. And, um, and just have fun. I mean, the first thing is enjoy the, the commodity, the friendship, the people you're going to meet. You're going to meet the coolest people out there. Um, I was unfortunately not accessible to those people during those years of my life. That was all I. You can even talk to me. I had headphones on. I was a, a, a far away from everyone. I only talked to the guys next to me because uh, our bikes were touching and I was racing them. And was all that 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 mental game going on? I miss all the fun stuff, all the other people having the blast there. People just you know wearing basketball shorts and high tops and you know cotton t shirts and uh, and it's it just those are the people that that um, that deserve, I think, a lot of credit. What does the
1: word excellence mean to you? Somebody who is a top ten finisher for. A handful of big races, big spotlight-type races, mm-hmm. where you're talking to world-class athletes, and you're you're among them. What does the word excellence look like um, in that arena?
0: That's not an easy answer, um, because um, I never saw myself as um, a um, a really good athlete. I had an, I, I had trouble with that. Because I was I was always like, I win local races, it gets to the big stage, you know. Um, I do okay and off to podium sometimes at the national level. And um, and so I never, um, I always felt incomplete. So when it comes like to the excellence, the excellence for me is a journey. Not so much about winning races or finish on top or making... know several world championships it's not to me the excellence i think um all that to me was just like um bits and pieces connecting the dots to what i am today i think to me the excellence is that i i learned a huge lesson from all of this
1: how do we find you um if we're dealing with uh joint pain knee pain hip issues if we already uh have embarked down that uh that road and we're already um doing some, some distance sure. activities uh, how do we find you at Gravitus
0: if we need some help well AD short for Adriano it's like an Adrian with an O at the end Rosa R-O-S-A uh, find me on Facebook uh, for both Gravitus and under my personal account you can go to my website uh, GravitusInsouls.com I'm very easy to, uh, uh, to access uh, for any questions any concerns just, just want to pick my brain about what's going on you know I mean um, I'm a certified orthocyst that specialize in uh, in anything from the old lady with bunions, the diabetic foot, all the way up to the very very elite athlete. In fact, I you know I work a lot with some very very famous Olympian tennis players. Cool. Um, professional triathletes at a great deal. Um, very um, I, mean, I can't say their names because there's also uh, you know always, always a, a NDA's right or- but. Olympic and pro Hip runners right. Well it's not that easy. A little bit of that But also because uh, You know uh, I, I don't have the permission To endorse yep. I'm not endorsing them right now yep. I just They they pay for the orthotic Like everyone else They get a sure. graduation Like everyone else So um, All levels And uh, just keep in mind Orthotics It's not A magic bullet It's part of the process Okay uh, With a proper Design Custom orthotic Comes a great deal Of education what else can you do to make that happen? It's only one-third of, of, of really fixing someone. They need to be in the right shoe, and they have to have the exercise and the rehab to go with it. So that's what I, I try to promote tremendously. If you come to me just for a magic bullet from an orthotic, you're not going to get it. I want to I make sure you're, 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 your body is strong enough, your feet strong enough, the orthotics doing the right work, um, and we're going to stay in contact through weeks, months, until you're back on track. My success rate is because I would do everything it takes to get that person back on your feet. Even if it's beyond my scope of practice, I'll get, I'll get someone Use they can talk trouble. to yeah. to say, okay, maybe need, I need help from this guy. Maybe go need to go to that therapist and have some needles put in there and, and release that muscle, you know, something. I mean, there's a lot of um, um, therapeutic intervention there, state-of-the-art, that never gets talked about. All it gets talked about is medication. Cool. You know what you put in your body, it's how you heal a lot of things. Yeah. Um just like spirituality, you know, heals your, your soul and nutrition is the same thing. Yeah. You need to fulfill those those demands of your body if you're gonna it doesn't have to be an athlete, it could be anyone. Yeah. I'm dealing with you know blood sugar issues, um heart disease, um, you know, and a variety of different things of other um issues, health issues that if I cannot get you moving and using your feet, most likely the other stuff's not gonna come together. Yeah. If I can get you out outside and go on small adventures here and there, yeah, and explore a little bit and increase elevate that bar, go around the block, hey I feel great. Run around the block, hey I feel great. Sign up for the first five K. Feel great. So if I cannot be part of that process, I'm I should not be practicing uh, w- it, it, in the, in, in the medical field, scope that I do, mm-hmm. if I'm not giving people the right advice, and I'm not getting results. Um, it's funny thing that I t- tell a lot of my health professional friends goes, that if we're not doing the right job, man, someone should call us, call us on on this and say, you know what, um, you suck, you're not doing it right, so you better step up. And I mean, that's we take a lot of pride me and a, a group of friends that work together. Uh, with uh, with injury issues a, a handful of therapists work in time with me and uh, We take a lot of pride. It's not even I have even given orthotics for free because I wasn't sure if I was gonna get that person ready mm-hmm. Or fixed or whatever. I say you know what you can't afford it you um, you need this and uh, you, you your mind is it's not really? Understanding how this is gonna help you I tell you what here's a free pair of orthotics and if he works we can talk about payment later. But oh, right that's now, awesome. I, want you get, I want you to get you on your feet going. And it works because that's the kind of service that people want. They want to trust someone and they want that confidence and not just some nifty product trying to make a buck. I mean, if I can make a living by being honest and upfront and being the best health profession I can, for me, that's the answer. Yeah, that's
1: Yeah, I think that's pretty unanimous. That's awesome. Well, A.D., it's been, uh, it's been a pleasure. Uh, we certainly appreciate you carving out some time to, to sit and communicate with the, uh, the Adventure Deficit community um, about your incredible story. Wow. Uh, you took us through all of it, man. Brazil, uh, Grand Valley, the ins and outs of, of those first two uh, marriages, triathlons, all of it, man. Uh, we covered some, some
0: cool stuff from the good book. We got uh, we got into the the goods. So awesome. Man. It was a pleasure being here, man. I'm telling you, this is fun. I um I really enjoyed this. Yeah, man. Me too. I think uh I think there will be more. Um so
1: man, we just we wish you the very best. Um so excited about uh
0: this marriage coming up. What did you say? It was March? Uh no this will be July twenty first. Oh in July, okay. Yep. So this summer. Uh I'm gonna actually I'm gonna get married just down the road from you at on um on the edge of the Thornapra River just uh yeah, man, just on the road. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. Well, I have a
1: good feeling that uh, that the story from here is going to be a good story, man.
0: And she's the one, in the million I'm telling you. This yeah. girl is like, yeah, she's uh, she's the real deal. Pleasure getting to know you, man. You too, man. Thanks.